Eric, what's going on, my guy? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on here. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me, man. We feel like we have the best conversations just when it's me and you. So I'm glad we actually get to record it this time. Totally. I found myself kind of getting carried away talking to you before I hit record for this episode. So I was like, dude, we just got to get this thing rolling already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have you do your intro in a second, but I, I always like to give a shout out to the people that I bring on the show. Um, because mm-hmm. th- there's a select amount of people you could bring on a, on an, on your own show. And that's the luxury of having your own shows, being able to be selective with the people you bring on, but you are a must have partially because I think we've become pretty good friends being in a business group and being in Reno here. Um, d- just kind of having that friendship, um, build from there, but it's, it's not very often that you meet somebody in the fitness space that, yeah. I don't know. Selfishly, I think I care a lot, but that cares as much about their clients as, as you do and being able to talk about the things that you give a shit about. And it's uh, it's just a cool experience to be able to bond over some of these topics of conversation. So I'm excited of wherever our podcast goes today, whatever we talk about, it's going to be fun. But also it's, I find it's hard sometimes to meet people who burn from the sun easier than myself. So I also <laughs> knew I found a good person eventually when I met you for that, um, for that reason as well. So yeah, appreciate you being here, bro. yeah, no problem, man. It's funny. Like, um, you could kind of tell just from talking to somebody in the vibe that they give off, you know, like the, the research that they've done and, and how their train of thought goes. And so the, from one of the first days we both joined that, uh, the BNI group together, it was like, Oh, this guy gets it. You know, you could, some people just get it and some people don't. And, um, but it's probably the more so the pale skin part than anything. But, uh, besides that, you can tell that we align on a lot of different issues too. (laughs) (laughs) Tell the people, just people who don't know who you are a little bit about you, your journey, how you got to where you are today. Um, kind of what you do and who you work with now. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So my name is Eric Underwood and I, was a baseball player as long as I can remember. Like that's, uh, that's just how all of this started. So I played junior college baseball at Yuba, California, and was, was not like, I was a, not recruited at all. Like a uh, very late bloomer physically kind of grew up with the baseball mentality of like, you don't really lift, you damn sure don't lift anything overhead. Um, you just do your little bands and you, you run, you know, five miles at a time. And you can't teach speed. You can't teach athleticism. You can't improve basically from where you are. Like it's just God given or it's not. So then I, luckily I had good enough hand-eye coordination. I got a division one scholarship. So I played at Jacksonville state out in Alabama. And then right. I'd say it was during my senior year. I started working with a trainer back here in Reno and he challenged everything. I thought I knew about athleticism and about training and about just the whole improvement process. And he was like, you know what? You can teach speed. You can teach athleticism. You can get more explosive. So started training with him and saw enough improvement that I was able to play some low level professional baseball. And then I kept seeing improvement. So that's why I chased the dream as long as I did. So basically I chased a pro baseball career all the way up until the pandemic. Um, not that I was playing every single year, but I was going to work out some years worked out, some didn't. And, uh, yeah, pretty much in 2020 when the whole world shut down. Um, I, I had a coach talking to a team in Germany for me and then the world shut down and I was like, okay, yeah, this is probably about it. Because at that point I was 30 and, and tired of, tired of the chasing part, not tired of playing, but, uh, yeah. So it was, it was so cool in my own journey, seeing how I could improve my athleticism. And 
Like, for example, in college, I was a designated hitter and they'd stick me at first base sometimes because I wasn't very athletic. But then in pro ball, somehow I'm playing center field, you know, and I'm like, wait, what? I can I can actually run these balls down now. I can actually get around the bases. So um, it it just sucks that it happened in my late to in my mid to late 20s. But still, you know, better late than never. So that's that's why I love working with the all the populations that I do now, because personal training just kind of came up during the baseball career because it was such a, a convenient thing. It allowed me to do my own training. It was something that I knew pretty well at that point, just because I was so fascinated in my own improvement. I'm like, okay, wow. How can we get other people to improve as well? So um, yeah, it was, it, it started just out of necessity, just, just for an, an off season job. And then it transitioned into just full-time thing because I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the relationships with the people that I work with probably more than, more than anything. So depending on whatever level they're at, it's awesome to see them improve using the principles that I learned in my own baseball career and being able to personalize it, you know, for wherever they're at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I resonate a little bit with that story too, not in the sense that I was chasing a pro baseball career or anything like that, but I, I did all the sports and stuff in high mm-hmm. school and, and did intramural stuff in college. And it was for me, you know, coming from a nutrition background, but also a personal training and, and exercise background. It's amazing because like you said, we have these self self-imposed limitations sometimes, or maybe it's from what our parents did or what our coaches tell us or what our friends around us are doing. And it's like, sometimes we just live in this prison of like, Hey, this is the, the ability that I was given and I don't have a whole lot to do or a whole lot that I can control around that. And Mm -hmm. when you start to ask questions and you start to be curious and you start to challenge a lot of those previous beliefs that you've been telling yourself, whether it is with fitness or your performance or getting into the gym or with your nutrition, it's like, that's when the magic starts to happen a little bit. And that's when you start to, to see things that you didn't know you were capable of doing, you know, and I, yeah. uh, you know, being from looking at you like, Hey, first base de- designated hitter. And then you're like playing one of the most athletic positions, probably on the baseball field and being able to sprint and play center field. It's like, it's amazing when you commit to something and you, you know, s- stop settling at the end of the day, how much more you're capable of breaking through. And, and sometimes it takes some help being able um, or, or some help from some other coaches or trainers or some other, you know, inputs, some people who you value, but mm-hmm. it just takes asking those questions and being curious sometimes to, yeah. be able to branch out of that box. So I love Dude, that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it was actually funny because in high school, um, so I have an identical twin brother and very similar athletic traits. He played football in high school and I didn't, you know, because I had just bought into all the, the, baseball, I was drinking the Kool-Aid basically, you know, with the bands and the resistance or in the the distance training and all that. So he played football and started lifting like a football player. And suddenly he was, he was running faster. He was hitting the ball harder. He was throwing harder. And so I knew there was a correlation somewhere, but I had no idea where to start. And the gym was super intimidating. And I was just a scrawny, you know, 120 pounds soaking wet freshman and maybe 130 pounds sophomore, you know, and I, I had no idea where to start. So it's like, I knew that that was important, but I had no, I, I had no guidance whatsoever. So that's what I like to do now is basically take people to skip all of the crap that I went through trying to figure all this out and, and skipping injury, skipping overtraining, just shortcutting all of those things. And let's just get to the good part, you know, because it's, it's all available. Like it, like improvement is so available, but it really, really helps when you have that guidance. So that's what I love to do now. 
Totally. Totally. And having been what personal trainer now for a couple of years, three, almost three mm-hmm. years since the start of the pandemic, all that um, craziness that's happened the last couple of years, have you found that, and, and maybe it depends what the client you're working with. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's just the general gym goer who maybe like yourself at one point, who's afraid to get into the gym, afraid to get some dumbbells or a barbell or some weights in their hand or to, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe do some quote unquote athletic training. Like how have mm-hmm. you found what your baseball career and your experiences, how, how have you found that that's really helped your personal training career and how you mm-hmm. approach clients at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I kind of mentioned in my, in my intro, like I, the thing I love most about personal training is the relationships with clients and getting to know them and watching them achieve their goals and hitting the empowerment phase for like whatever that means for them. So I think in baseball, I was around so many different types of people. I mean, I played with guys from Japan, Korea, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Panama, all of these different places, all these different economic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, whatever. So I think the greatest strength somebody could have in personal training, obviously you got to have a baseline of like, you know what you're doing a little bit at least, but the greatest strength as a, as a trainer and just anybody dealing with people is being able to relate to a lot of different types of people and meet them where they're at and then get a read on them and see what do they need? You know, do they respond better to if you push them a little bit or do they need to feel more empowered and you, you can't press those buttons yet. So I think that's been the biggest thing, but what that's allowed me to do is to tailor my training based on where that person is at. I mean, I think one of the most common hindrances, I guess, for people getting into the gym for the first time, like the most common thing that I hear by far is like, I'm going to get in shape by myself because I'm not ready to work out with you yet. You know, and that always just makes me kind of roll my eyes because it's like, that's, that's the equivalent of your car breaking down and you tell the mechanic, it's not quite in shape yet. Like I'm going to drive it around a little bit, get it ready for you to work on it. Like, that's my job. We start you wherever you're at. If your level's here, if your level's down here, there's tons of different things we can do to either scale exercises up and make them harder or scale them back and make them easier. So it's the ability to relate to a lot of different people, meet them wherever they're at, get a sense of their goals, get a sense of their motivation styles, their, their inspiration that they have, you know, where is this coming from? And then we give each person a tailored roadmap based on where they're at. And that's what I really, really love to do. Totally. Yeah. I think sometimes like as coaches or as trainers, sometimes like we are just the vehicle and not, not to really to downplay what we do for a living or who we work with or what we do day to day. But when it comes to someone's like readiness to change, like, like sometimes the people that you get maybe quote unquote, know what they need to do or know that they need to move more, or maybe they've hit a plateau and they're coming for you some more guidance, a little bit more of a roadmap to get you to where they want to be. Sometimes I find that it's kind of our job to just help give them that validation and that accountability and to help facilitate their, you know, their decision-making process to help them make more educated decisions and to just help them get to where they want to be a little bit quicker. Because honestly, sometimes just people need that validation and that, that reassurance that what they're doing is actually working and that by buying into that and, and being efficient with their time. And, and maybe that's working with the trainer 
you know, this idea that people don't always have to come up with everything by themselves and to do everything on their own or to feel like they need to know everything at the end of the day. Like sometimes that's the power or the beautiful thing of working with a personal trainer, especially being an in-person trainer like yourself. Um, that's the beautiful part about is we're able to kind of meet people where they're at to help them build their confidence kind of from the ground up or to add on to what the tools and found foundations they've already been able to set on their own. All of them are welcome though. And I think that's the thing you said, it's like, you know, you're not going to like delay taking your car to the mechanic because you need to figure it out on your own. So you can understand what they're telling you. It's the opposite. It should be like, Hey, this is the things that you're deficient in. And these are the things that we can improve on. And let's start from, you know, this starting point instead of forcing everything in, in the beginning. And yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Like those are the people that need a trainer the most are the ones that that are in pain or that have like some serious, uh, goals, you know, whatever they may be, or some serious pain points. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's like, you can go on YouTube, you can go on Instagram, you can find workout routines, like everything that I do, you could probably find somewhere online. So sometimes I'll ask people that I'll be like, okay, you clearly, especially the ones that, that have a little bit of an idea of what they're doing. It's like, okay, what's, what's been stopping you this whole time. And they don't really know, you know, like, why aren't you working out more? And they're like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we have all this endless information at our fingertips, but I think the person to person connection is huge and everybody can find, you know, like a hip thrust or a glute bridge online, but not everybody can tell you how exactly how many sets, how many reps, and then the science behind that and, and whatnot. So it's like, once you get one layer below the surface, I think that's where the magic happens for anybody in the coaching industry. Cause like, it's all out there. So why aren't you doing it yourself? You know? And, and once people start to think about that, then they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I do need somebody or, or maybe I enjoy the person to person interaction or social aspect, whatever it is, you know? So I think that's our job as coaches is like, you know, just again, just, just being able to, to read the client, being able to read just the person as a human being and asking, okay, what do they need? And how do we get them there? And how do we get them to see the big picture here? Exactly. And one thing that I admire about you, and I, I know we've bonded over this in the past is just having our own coaches, right? You being an athlete, you've kind of have built in coaches throughout your career. Yeah. Also intentionally, you know, reaching out to other coaches, whether it's personal development stuff, relationship stuff, maybe your own personal training stuff. It's like having coaches and, and people who also ask for that external help and support and that mentorship and that accountability can I don't know. I think sometimes that can, that, that can make or break a coach compared to somebody who maybe is very textbook savvy, maybe has worked with a lot of people, but there's a saying in my industry, it's like, if you're not learning, you're dying at the end of the day. And it's uh, it's very easy to just get in these routines where it's like, Hey, everybody gets the same program and all these things. And this has worked for other people. So it should work for you. And at the end of the day, it needs to be a little bit more kind of individualized. Right. And I love something that you said earlier and it's kind of about a goals, right. In goal setting and, and helping clients get to where they want to be. And I think this is, this could be an hour long conversation in its own of like, Hey, you get somebody who comes to you, they have X physique goal or performance goal, and that's all, you know, they're really focused on. I think as coaches, sometimes it's, I think it's our job to also challenge why they want those goals in the first place and, and yeah. what motivates them yeah. to get those goals. And if, if the goals that they're working towards is actually in alignment with what they want and what they need. And it's a very fascinating area to kind of explore because a lot of times people, they have this disconnect of what they think they need to get to where they want to be mm-hmm. with also what they're willing to do and what they're able to do to get to where they want to go. Um, and we've 
kind of talked about genetics and lifestyle and, and, and what's realistic for their situation right now. But I've noticed like, and again, we, we maybe work with a different subset of populations, but there is a lot of overlap, but I've noticed personally, there's like this big movement to like grow for females to grow your glutes recently. Right. And, and it's not so much like this race to get to the skinniest body possible anymore, which I think is fucking awesome. Yep. Um, and, and it's, it's amazing because people I find now are putting more barbells, putting more weights in their hands, understanding that lifting heavier, getting stronger is just as an important part of this equation as it is, is just going to the gym to get a workout done, to cross that off their list for the week, to burn some calories so they can proceed with whatever it is that they're going mm-hmm. to do. So I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but tell me about when you have a client that comes to you who has X goal or whatever it is, what is that? What is that like? Obviously we have to take into account what they'd like, but it's, I think it's also our job to help them, help them look in different directions and to expose them to new things that maybe they, you know, didn't know were there in the first place. So what's that process like for you? And have you found that it's, is the end goal always to look like this person or to have this physique or to run this, you know, 40 yard dash time, or is there more that goes into that? Yeah, dude, this is one of my favorite parts about the onboarding process and the screening process, basically. So I'll ask people what their goals are, and then you touched on it. But one of the first things I'll do is ask them why they have those goals, because that is that just gets to the root of so many different things. And a lot of times people don't really know why they have these goals. Um, But if they do, a lot of times they're rooted in some sort of insecurity type of thing or disempowerment really. And it's funny, we could probably go off on a tangent here too, but that's one thing the fitness industry in general does to make sure that people keep coming back or taking more supplements or getting a new piece of equipment or a new outfit or whatever it is. So I'll ask them why. And then I'll tell them that my job is to help them get there, but understand their own movement, their own body throughout the process. And I always tell people, I want you to be your own best coach. Like I want you to get to the point where you don't need me anymore. I mean, obviously they're going to keep coming because I am hilarious and I'm so awesome in so many different ways. But again, that's a different conversation, but (laughs) yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. We'll get into the shit talking later as well, but, um, I want them to not need me. I want them to know that like, let's say, so I have a bunch of hikers, you know, like, like being in Reno, a lot of hikers, a lot of backpackers. And so if you do, you know, an exercise like a lunge or a high box step up or something, that's kind of a lot like hiking uphill, you know? So I will tie in everything, what we're doing, you know, has a purpose and can help you in your goals. So that one has a, has a really high crossover and a really easy to see crossover. So I want them to be their own best coach in the setting that if they notice their knee starts to cave in a little bit when they're doing a lunge or whatever, I want them to be able to feel that on the trail. I want them to be able to feel that. Or maybe if they're rounding their back in a certain way, when they're picking up their kid or a dog or a laundry basket or spare tire, you know, whatever it may be, I want them to understand that like all of this stuff that we're doing in the gym translates to real life. We're just doing everyday movements and we're trying to empower them to be the best version of themselves in everyday life as they can. I mean, that's another thing I'll tell clients is I don't want you to be the best in the world at exercising. If they play pickleball, if they play golf, if they hike or swim, or even just playing in the backyard with their kids, I want you to be the best version of that as you can. So that's why I structure my workouts the way that I do. That's why I tailor things the way that I do, because I don't want somebody 
to, like you're not training for a competition with me. I mean, if you, if you are, we can, we can do that as well. And if you have an athletic goal, we can do that too. But basically I want people to be the most powered, empowered version of a human being as they can. So that takes in all these psychosocial aspects and emotional aspects, mental health, and that I know this was a very long-winded answer, but it it's so important to the, to the whole process. So that's what I do with my goals is I ask them why, and I ask them, okay, what do you really want here? You know, we get to like the root goal. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this exercise with anything, but basically you follow the trail of whys. And usually you'll get to a point where it's like, okay, let's say I want to have more money. And it's like, all right, cool. Why? Oh, because I want to buy things. Why? Because I want to look cool in front of my friends. Boom. There it is. You know, <laughs> and it's like, okay, maybe we address that root one first. So it's the same thing with fitness. It's, it's like, it's fine to have aesthetic goals and that's great. You want to look good naked. You know, I get that. You want to not be embarrassed at the beach or you want to feel empowered taking your shirt off or whatever the case may be, but let's at least understand and be conscious of that root reason first. And then, you know, once you acknowledge that, fine, cool. It's awesome. Like I tell people all the time, it is totally fine to have petty goals. <laughs> it's totally fine to have those everyday, you know, menial goals that don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But if that's going to help improve the quality of your life, then okay, cool. Let's be conscious of that first one, that, that like baseline, you know, petty goal or whatever it is. And then let's move up from there. And I, I think when people understand that for themselves, then they're more likely to get bought in and they're more likely to be consistent. And consistency is by far the most important thing when it comes to working out or eating or anything for results. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how can, how can you make your own deform, informed decisions for yourself? And how can we bring awareness as, as like you said, just kind of almost peeling back the onion analogy of like, and you could do that with finance, you could do that with fitness, you could do that in your relationships, you could do that with your career. It's, it's, it's amazing how when you just continue to ask the right questions and ask the next question, how you can actually get to the root cause of, of what it is that you're actually trying to work for. Because really in the fitness space and when it comes to your physique or your aesthetics, it's like, when you have society or other people setting your goals for you, one, nothing will ever be good enough at the end of the day. Like you could hit whatever pound goal or physique goal or muscle mass goal or performance goal. But if that's really not what you want, like you're never going to be happy with whatever progress that you are making or whatever benchmarks that you do eventually hit, unless that comes from a place of like, you know, self-love and, and understanding that this is what I want and this is why I'm doing this. That's when that, you know, celebrating the small things and seeing those improvements and being able to, like you said, sustain that and be consistent with it, how that's the most important thing. You're not going to be consistent dieting for six weeks at a time, exercising your balls off in order to get a weight loss goal to go on a trip. Like that's not going to be sustainable as if you were understanding it's like, Hey, I want to do this for myself or my partner. I want to feel better in pictures. I want to do this because I know that X, Y, and Z runs in my family. And I want to be different from that. If like, those are the things that are motivating you. Those are the things that are likely going to keep these behaviors and keep these mm -hmm. mindsets long-term and, and eventually getting people to the point where they are their own coach, right? Because a lot mm -hmm. of people maybe know, hey, we should move more and we should exercise and we should lift and we should eat more plants. We should have more protein. We shouldn't, you know, go overdo it at fucking in and out four nights a week. And a lot of people know what to do, but sometimes it, again, it takes, it takes that extra accountability and that understanding mm -hmm. for why you're doing something in the first place. And yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very fascinating because a lot the, of, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. The, the, just the, 
whatever is motivating you aspect, I think is just so huge. And, and like you said, if you can get to the levels of motivation or inspiration and habit building that are like those, those long-term, uh, broader, higher tier type goals, then it makes it so doing the things that you probably know you're supposed to be doing. Like, it's not even a decision, you know, once you, once you start to, to go for these goals up here, it kind of changes the, uh, the whole identity as a, as a person. And, and that's where actual sustaining change comes from. But that's also why I love yoga as much as I do. I didn't mention that in the, in the bio, but I just became a yoga instructor and I freaking love it because I had realized with training for baseball and all of these athletic goals that I had, it all had a purpose. And, and it was like this overarching purpose, you know, it's like get to the major leagues, be the best baseball player I can be. And that's awesome. And I'm really glad that I did that and worked as hard as I did because of that. But I realized I hadn't done anything just to be curious about it, you know, with no agenda. And that's what I went into yoga stuff with. And that's why I love yoga because when you're holding, you know, warrior three position for like freaking three minutes at a time or whatever it is, it's some of these classes, like number one, you're trying not to die, but number two, you have to tap into your own movement. It's like, it's a moving meditation and, and we both love meditation. So I think it's important as well to do things outside of your comfort zone. And number one, you don't know how much you'll, you might actually love it, but number two, it connects you to those whys, you know, like I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a half moon and trying to hold my balance. And I'm wondering, Oh, wait, why am I doing this? And what exactly is going on here? And in that process, I'm tapping into my body. I'm feeling better, all of that. So just an example of getting outside of your comfort zone and learning new things. Like I, I never thought I would want to teach yoga. Now I freaking love it. And, uh, it just, it, it helps that whole connection process. So yeah, to, to go back to your thing, I mean, about how just once you have a broader understanding of why you want to do something and a broader understanding of what goes on to get there, then I think you can start to make that identity level change. And that's when, when real consistency and real habits form, you know, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And it's this, it's this idea that, you know, you're allowed to do more than one thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that can, I think that is sometimes what catches people, when they're in pursuit of whatever goal that they're working towards or whatever fitness goal or body goals, this, this idea that, you know, you have to do one thing and one thing only because that's going to get you the best results, which maybe if we talk about what's optimal, sure, maybe resistance training, getting in the gym four times a week, five times a week, having dedicated rest days for whatever goal you're working towards, that might be the best, but what's practical is sometimes a different story, but also what you enjoy is an, is another important part of that equation as well. Right. And what I see so much happening is a lot of people let their fitness start and end in the gym. They get into this routine where it's like, I go to the gym, I lift, or I do whatever exercise modality it is. And then it just ends there when in reality, what we do in the gym and what we do with our exercise should translate. And it should be you know, the vehicle to be better at whatever it is that we're doing in our day-to-day life or what we enjoy. And, you know, so many times and like yourself, what I admire about you is playing what, you know, club baseball or the semi-pro baseball team still like getting out, you know, a lot of people, they don't grow old. There's a quote, I'm going to fucking butcher it, but it's like, you know, you don't grow old because you stop playing. You, you grow old because you stop picking up the bat and you stop doing all these things, right? It's like you stop doing the things that you love to do, or you let your fitness end in the gym. 
And that's when your mind gets closed off to doing things like yoga or playing in real sports or, you know, doing your training with the intent of being better at your hiking or going and planning these really cool trips that really what your fitness should be geared towards doing, in my opinion, and not to discredit people with physique aspirations or body composition goals. And this is not really a podcast episode geared towards like people who are stepping on stage for a bikini comp or, you know, a a physique performance or anything. It's more of like, how can we get the general public out thinking bigger when it comes to our fitness, instead of thinking about how can I lose weight and you want to, what do I need to do to get there? It's, it's how can we build your life, you know, up to something that you enjoy to make this environment, make those decisions for you in the future, instead of you relying on a coach for external accountability and a plan. Yeah, you know? yeah dude, I would love to hear um, how you do that and go about that with, with diet and with, you know, making those, those kind of lifestyle changes instead of just day-to-day changes. But I, like, I could not agree with that more because so many people have a misconception about fitness in general, that it has to be in a gym and it has to be absolute balls to the wall. Like you can't walk on the way out of the gym, you know, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll flip the script on people, you know, when they're telling me about these, these goals, like, let's, let's say you have somebody that you can just tell is like doing it for a bunch of external reasons, or they're doing it because they think they should, they're, they're trying to get in shape because that's what they saw on Instagram and they don't feel good enough. I'll just ask them, okay, when was the last time you just played, you did anything? When's the last time you like played Frisbee with your friend or your your parent or whoever? When's the last time you chased your dog around the yard just to chase the dog around the yard? And I think a lot of people have these, I'm going to totally play armchair psychologist here, but a lot of people associate working out and fitness. As soon as they hear that word, as soon as they hear the phrase, like I need to go work out, they associate that with a bunch of not very good feeling emotions, because that's just how they've been conditioned when really like, just do anything, move more, find ways that you enjoy moving. And you'll find that your relationship with movement actually improves, you know, at at an emotional, at a mental level. And again, that's why I love shit talking my clients so much, because it's, again, it's, it's total armchair psychologist and it's, and it's very, very simple. But if you get people laughing in a gym, and they laugh in that setting, they're more likely to associate that setting with laughter and with good feeling emotions. And then it's like, oh, you know, we're just joking back and forth. I'm asking about your life. I'm asking about your, your kids or your spouse or whoever. Make a little joke off of that. Uh, we make fun of each other. We, we go back and forth. And suddenly you've done three sets of 10 lunges and your quads are on fire. And you're like, oh, wait, once you're, I mean, you can do the same exact sets of an exercise and you do one in a positive, good feeling, emotional space, and you do one in a, I have to do this type of space. Like you tell me which one feels better and you've done the same amount of work. So you might as well enjoy it, or at least just not fucking hate it. You know, (laughs) that's probably what I do the most and why I go back and forth and why I'm sarcastic with my clients and, and why I shit talk them is not to necessarily make them enjoy it. I mean, I think most of them do eventually, but it's just to not make them hate it, you know, which is also funny. Like just, I mean, that's a, that's another issue we could talk about is, is how so many people like hate exercise and movement and it doesn't have to be that way, but how, like, how do you do that with, with clients and with diet and, and implement those, those bigger lifestyle changes instead of just like, Oh, I have to eat this, you know, at this specific time. Cause I love the way you think about it. So I would love to hear yeah. that. 
Yeah, totally. And I, I think kind of things that you're alluding to is this idea of like, how can we change the relationship that we have with fitness and our mm-hmm. outlook on it? Because a lot of it is unfortunately what we learn from our peers, from the people who we grow up with, from our parents at the end of the day, um, social media. Now, obviously we know that's a huge, um, influence on us, whether we like that or not. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for like, yeah, social media can be an extremely powerful place, but it can also fuck you up too. If you, mm-hmm. if you let it and being aware of that. And so part of that for me, like my existence on social media, I've taken the responsibility of like, you know, how can we approach nutrition differently? How can we get away from fads and switch that on to principles? And how can we look at these principles and appreciate that in the grand scheme of things and, and somewhat, you know, prioritize this, you know, hierarchy of importance almost of like, Hey, these are the big rocks that we need to really focus on lifting, building some muscle, eating with intention, having enough protein, talking about calorie balance, talking about how hormones can impact how you mood, which can impact how you make decisions. It's more about exposing people to a world of nutrition that we've never been introduced before. Right. Because if you think about it, a lot of people, and and even yourself, we've had this conversation before where it's like, there's no formal education when it comes to nutrition for most people. Right. And maybe that comes in health class or whatever the fuck that is in high school or middle school. Maybe you have an intro to nutrition course in college, or maybe you don't a lot of the time people learn their nutrition secondhand from other people or from other people's anecdotes or, you know, self case studies or what worked for them. And before you know it, you start to get all these, Hey, I tried this because this worked for this person, but it didn't work for me. Well, why didn't that work for you? So a lot of times when people come to me, it's like, Hey, what? I have a big intake questionnaire. And we always, when we, when I, before I work with somebody, there's always this like, Hey, you know, let's get on a zoom. Let's decide if we're a good fit. What are you working towards? Can I help you? What's this program look like? How can we get to where you want to be? A lot of it of it is like, what got you to this call right here? And a lot of times it's, it's very similar. And, and I don't want to say it's similar in a bad sense. Right. But a lot of people, we go through the fads or the short-term fixes, or we try these different things, or we do go and do CrossFit or orange theory extremely for four five days at a time and we under fuel and then you get burned out and then you realize why your progress plateaus. It's like everything that you've done, I think is a good thing because it's allowed you to get to this, you know, period where you are here, which sometimes people are more open ears to learning as to why some of the things that haven't worked for them in the past haven't worked for them and what they need to do to change that. Because a lot of times people do come to maybe for you for coaching or training where it's like, Eric, I I know I need to move more. I know I need to lift. Um, but I, I just don't know what that means sometimes. Right. Or mm-hmm. what I've tried hasn't worked for me or I've reached a plateau. It's very similar to nutrition. So it's like people come to me sometimes for a different approach or for my approach, because I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be the first to say that, Hey, you know, diets can work and what mm-hmm. is the definition of success or work? I think that's, you know, a conversation that we could mm-hmm. have on its own, but people can get temporary results for certain things, but do, does that stick? And, and in my kind of, uh, I think appreciation for nutrition and our health, what we do long-term is far more important than what we do in the interim. And it's, uh, it's, it's a mindset that's hard to get out of sometimes because sometimes people come to me and it's like, okay, I just need to double down on the macros and the calories and, you know, not eat out, you know, every day on the weekend. And it's like, well, how does, how do all of these things fit? How does your lifestyle influence this? And what is your work environment and what is your stress like? And what is your sleep and how do you approach? And what do you think about, you know, 
these different types of foods and all these things. And how can we just start from the ground up or build on what you already know? And it's different for everybody as we know, but it's, um, it's a lot of education and just, uh, appreciation for where you've been. So we can yeah. go in a different direction. That's actually going to be more productive for you at the end of the day. Right. Dude, that's yeah. That's exactly why I love talking to you. I mean, every time we, we meet up or, or get on a call like this, like I, I just love your perspective on that. And you actually said something really interesting, uh, as well about who you work with and how you screen for those people. So um, like just, just slight kind of detour question here, but, but maybe helping other coaches out here, how many clients would you say you turn away and how many clients do you not work with? Because you feel like either you're not going to, based on where they're at, it's just, it's not a good fit. You're not going to break through to them. I mean, how many I, I can't tell you the amount of times somebody will, will ask me, you know, about training and based on their question, I'm like, Oh Jesus, dude, we got a long way to go. So do you find yourself turning away a lot of clients as well? Yeah. I think in the beginning you go through that phase where it's like, I'll take anybody I can get yeah. with for <laughs> yeah. the experience. I think that's always part of it. Uh, but as you, I, I think get a little bit more experience or a little bit more confident in what you do, because you know, that imposter syndrome is a big thing, especially mm -hmm. as you start in the beginning, whether that's your athletic career or your regular career or getting into the gym, or if you're a coach in the fitness space and you're posting content, like there's always this thought in the back of your head, like, dude, what I'm saying, people are not going to resonate with. They're going to think I'm full of shit. They're going to think mm -hmm. I'm X, Y, and Z. And that's sometimes that is the hardest hump to get over. I feel like yeah. fortunately I've been able to work with a significant amount of people now where the people who show up, do the work, are open to learning, like they come to you for, you know, reasons maybe beyond just fitting into a certain dress size or fitting, you know, seeing a different number on the scale. That is part of it. And to be honest, I've noticed that I've started to attract different people instead of saying no to people more now. In the beginning, it was like, it was like, hey, maybe you're looking for this or you're more of an an intuitive eating approach. I don't know if calorie tracking and tracking protein and doing this is the best thing for you right now. Sometimes it's like you get away from this. I'll take everybody to, Hey, this is my niche. And this is what I like to, these are the people that I like to work with. So I talk more about that on social media and to the people I meet. And I naturally have attracted people who want to work with me a little bit more for those mm -hmm. reasons, which is, which is great. But I do think that that you have to earn that to a certain extent. I'm by no means at a place where I've earned anything in my opinion, but, um, there is, I would say one out of every four people potentially it's like, Hey, I don't know if we're the best fit, or maybe what you're looking for. Isn't something that I feel comfortable giving to you, knowing that we have all this other work to do that you're maybe not willing to do based on our conversation together. And a lot of times it may be is like, Hey, I'll sell you on these things, but let's proceed and do all these other things in the meantime. And before you know it, people slowly start to change their perspective and start to change their approaches is, is one of the biggest victories that I could have as a coach is being able yeah. to get them away from those objective, you know, end goals, numbers, percentages, looks, and getting them into the process of like fueling intentionally and eating and, and building a strong body instead of trying to tear their body down sometimes, you know? So yeah, I don't think dude. I answered that question very well, but it's no, uh, I love it. <laughs> you normally gravitate people gravitate yeah. towards you who resonate with what you have to say. And I think that's part yeah. of coaching something that you have to learn along the way to do to your audience. Yeah. And right at the end there, you mentioned when, when you see them start to get it, 
And I think that is the coolest thing. That's the coolest feeling as a coach. I'm going to shout out one of my clients. Uh, her name is Morgan. She's a fantastic therapist, but also, yeah, (laughs) yeah, she, um, so she's a huge hiker. She's a, she's a big backpacker, does these awesome trips. Um, sends me all these pictures of these fucking Alpine lakes that she's at and all, all of this, you know, covered like 22 miles in a day or whatever, but she's gotten to the point where she'll just start fucking repping out pushups just because she can now. Um, we, we met out. Uh, with with her and uh, her friends and her husband a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, Morgs, you want to do some push-ups? And she was like, "All right, cool." So so she's just like at the bar repping out push-ups, or or she'll go on her hikes and and just do them on a rock, you know, or something because she just loves that feeling now, and understands that what we've been training for is that personal empowerment, you know. And and the light bulb clicked on. She's been a fantastic client from the start, but especially once you start to see some progress, once you start to see what you're capable of, like, that's just the coolest thing in the world. And for some people that's totally different, you know, like I've, I've had kids who have gotten college scholarships for athletics and that is super exciting and empowering for them. But also I've had people that success for them is just being able to sit down and stand up without pain, you know, or doing it and not get lightheaded. And I'll tell you, it's crazy, but those people get just as, as excited for that. You think they would have just gotten a, a full ride scholarship to Notre Dame, you know, or, or wherever it is. But those people are the coolest. They can just get out of bed and they're like, oh my God, I, I've just gotten so used to the pain. I didn't know what it was like to be without pain. And I, I, those are some of my favorite, dude. Those are so awesome. But once they start to get it, that's like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think we could you know, talks were blue in the face of like, what makes a good coach and do you uh-huh. care and all these things. But I also think an important part of this success equation when it comes to a coach and a client kind of relationship is what the client brings to the table as well. Right. And, and when we talk about what a successful client looks like, I think, I think success has a different definition for everybody. I think we all know that, but in your opinion and in, in your experience over the last few years or decade that you've been working out and training, like what do you think makes a successful client, maybe in your eyes and in your practice and in, in life in general, um, what, what kind of qualities yeah. do they possess? And this isn't to necessarily shit on people who aren't these things, but mm-hmm. I just want to help us understand like just because you hire a coach or a personal trainer does not mean that you're going to get the results that you think you mm-hmm. deserve or get mm-hmm. right. There's a level of, you know, effort that you have to put in and that effort, you know, improves exponentially the, you know, more specific and detailed your goals are, but what do you yeah. think makes a good and successful client in your eyes? And, and maybe if somebody that wasn't starting in this mold, like how can we get people there too? Yeah, I think that is that last part you said is super important because uh, maybe when I say this answer, people hear it, they're like, oh shit, I don't have those qualities. But this will help you to understand what you need to do in, in your part of the equation to help you get the results that you want. So, first off, it's just, it's so funny. So, I'm an independent contractor now. I work out of a gym called Performance EDU, and I freaking love it over there. Everybody's so awesome. But I started my personal training journey at South Green Athletic Club, which is in its own right, an awesome gym in itself. But that is a public gym. So I was an employee of them, which basically means I had to take whoever they sent me. And I'm glad I did. Like, like that was an awesome start. But now I'm at a point where I can be selective about the clients that I work with. And 
I can confidently say I would go out and have a beer with every single one of my clients. So that like just just first off right there, that is so cool because it makes going to work fun for me and also for them as well, because as I've already mentioned, I am awesome in my own right. <laughs> so we just get to laughing and we get to all these things. All my clients are so cool. So maybe I should probably advertise that, like do that as my consultation. Like, okay, yeah, let's go to the bar, you know, and, and have a drink and, and we'll just vibe. We'll see and how it goes from there. Basically, yeah, yeah not, you yeah. can tell if somebody's in the right frame of mind. So what does the right frame of mind look like? I would say, be curious, be open to new ideas. That's, that's the first thing be questioning. I want you to question what we do because everything that we do do in the gym, I can tell you exactly why we're doing it. So I love questions. I love my favorite question in the world. Why are we doing this? Or how is this going to help? And then it's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, you can list off all these reasons and that helps it click for them. So just that inquisitive nature, I think is really, really cool. Also something that I said before about how, if somebody based on the questions that they ask me, you can tell if they get it or not. So if somebody just comes up to me and they're like, will this exercise make me in shape or what? Oh God, this one's my, my favorite. What is the best exercise for your chest or the best exercise for your legs or your upper back or your lower back? Like based on that, I can tell you probably have a fairly narrow understanding kind of tunnel vision of fitness in general. So on the flip side of that, the clients that I love working with have a broad understanding. A lot of times it's the ones that haven't done a lot of fitness stuff by themselves, you know, because they don't have these preconceived rules and things that they think they should follow. So being curious, being open-minded, wanting to do it for you. I think, you know, we talked about the, the motivation of why I think wanting to do it for them, the ones that make the most progress are the ones that prioritize their own personal empowerment. And then the aesthetic goals just kind of take care of themselves. Because like we talked about before, consistency is the number one factor in, you know, whether you will get success and, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do. So it's the clients that I can tell are willing to be consistent or wanting to understand how they can be consistent. So it's this whole it's this big meta frame of why you're going to the gym, understanding about life, being curious about it. We can, we can tailor everything from there. But if I have somebody who I can tell wants to do it for themselves, is open to new ideas, is open to new concepts, and is open to trusting once they hear a bunch of reasons listed out, you know, once they like the ones that aren't uh, super, super skeptical to the point of being cynical about it. I think those are the clients that, that end up making the most progress because those are just the ones that happen to be in the gym. But with that said, I've also had clients who, no matter what we've done, have just not liked exercise, but what they don't like even more than exercise is how they know their life will go if they don't exercise. So those people are great to work with too, because they'll understand, okay, we do have to do this. And that's fine if you don't like it. I mean, chances are they always feel better leaving the gym than after the gym. So I would like to challenge most of them that say they don't like it. But the ones that have some sort of intrinsic drive to be consistent, those are the best ones. And then let's have fun along the way. You know, what about you? What do you think about clients that yeah, exactly. you would like working with? Yeah, I feel like we even just 
circle jerking each other here, but I agree with a lot of, <laughs> of what you just said, right? Like this idea that there's so many pains in life and the pain of doing some of these things of, of maybe for you, it's showing up to the gym three times a week, four times a week at 6am or after work, after you've had a long day before you got to go get the kids, right? Like the pain of doing that is better than the pain of not doing that, knowing you're not mm-hmm. taking care of yourself. You're not taking yeah. time for yourself into the gym. You're maybe carrying around extra weight that you would like to have off, or you don't feel comfortable in your skin. And maybe your metabolic health is suffering because of that. And your mental health is suffering that like, what, what pain do you want? Right. Cause there's trade-offs to every decision that we make in life. Yeah. And when you start to understand that and you appreciate that, it's like, Hey, what we think is hard and outside of our comfort zone is really the place that we're going to grow the most, but also the place where we're going to get the most benefit at the end of the day. And I think that's, uh, I think that's just a really important thing to remember because I mean, it's, it's very similar to nutrition and diet sometimes too, right? It's like going back to kind of what you're saying, like this idea of when you ask somebody a question and maybe you can see where they're at, what level or phase of their journey they're on or what their understanding of, you know, what the best back exercise is and how that plays into their whole programming and what their goals are like and, and why we're doing what we're doing. It's the same with food where it's like you ask somebody off the street, Hey, what is a good and what is a bad food? Most people are going to tell you what they think is a good food is like, oh, maybe a good food is, you know, a plant or a broccoli or something. And the bad food is the ice cream or the pizza. And then when you take a step back and you start to think it's like, there really isn't any good or bad foods, right? There's different categories that we can fit foods in. There's foods with better macro grows higher protein per calorie. There's nutrient dense foods, right? Some foods like the broccoli are going to be more nutrient dense than the pizza and the ice cream that we have. The energy dense foods out there where people might consider bad foods. Yes. Ice cream and French fries and pizza and hamburgers. Yes. Those are going to have more calories per, you know, serving of whatever food that you eat, but they can also fit. And it's how all of those things fit together. And it's when you start to challenge those perceptions of like, Hey, it's, this is all just black or white to where this is all just fucking gray and you can interpret yeah. things differently. You know, that's when that growth and that, you know, learning can start to happen a little bit more. And, and I think you yeah. alluded to it, but it's this sense of like humility in the beginning of being able to hire a coach or to listen to somebody. Cause it's not something that's easy to, to do for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Uh, and, and just kind of having this, you know, mindset where you're going to put your ego to the side and, and learn and, you know, be in that, you know, mentee role for a period of time. It's like, uh, that's kind of where we see the most successful clients, but it's not to say that you can't get there if that's not where you're at right now. And sometimes it takes having a coach or a mentor to realize that, Hey, I don't know a shit ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm doing this in the first place is to get a different perspective and just a different approach from somebody who's done this before me or who does this for a living. And that's the thing is we don't need to know everything at the end of the day. Sometimes you just need to know the right people and have the right mindsets to be able to absorb that yeah. information. And I think you said it earlier of like being your own coach eventually, right? Like the mm-hmm. goal from day one, unless you want to work with us forever, sure. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to kick you out likely, but yeah, there gets to the point where coaching or training or getting into the gym or dealing with your nutrition, you will not need a coach. And that's the expectation from day one is like, Hey, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a point where we have to remove this accountability source and this thing. So you can do this on your own. And I want you to ask a million questions. Like if you're 
somebody seeing a personal training right now, or if you're doing nutrition coaching or a combination of both or a business mentorship, and you're not asking your mentor a fucking trillion questions. Yeah. You're doing something wrong. Cause that's what we're here for. And that's what we want. But yeah, successful clients, like they come and go. And I think success looks different for everybody. And mm -hmm. you can kind of tell, like you alluded to of like, Hey, the people who maybe don't show up or who are pessimistic or who are there because they think they have to be, or they're not asking any questions at all. Or for me, it's like people who don't schedule their phone calls, who don't do the check-in forms, who don't ask mm -hmm. questions, who kind of let that fall off on their own. And, and not to say that life happens and people have things that make it difficult for them to show up. Sometimes I get that, but at the end of the day, what's more important than our health and our mental health and our physical oh health, yeah. because that leads into literally everything else that we have in our life. So we're biased for sure. But <laughs> I, um, I think, I think a lot of people get in their own ways because we just think that we could do everything on their own when in reality, it doesn't have to be like that. I even have my own nutrition coach, my own yeah. trainer, my own business coach, uh, my own peer kind of group, especially you two who work with the mental side of things. It's like, it's kind of fun to, to lean on other people, knowing that you have these resources and you could take advantage. And it is, I've said yeah. this before in another podcast, like it is a, it is a luxury and a privilege to be able to hire people and especially with kind of the direction that this world has gone in the last couple of years, you know, it is a luxury to be able to hire a coach or to have some of these things or to have social media. But even if you don't like follow accounts on social media that yeah. inspire you, that educate you, follow things that you find you learn from, or that ask you or that lead you to asking more questions and being more curious, like you said, and, mm -hmm. and there's different ways around it. You don't have to work with a coach to get this, but you know, things like listening to podcasts like this, that shit's free, right? Like a lot yeah. of these things that we have control over in a world where we think we don't have control over a lot of things, but mm -hmm. reality we do. Dude. Yeah. And here's, here's a question too, that we kind of didn't talk about, but I think it's interesting. Like, first of all, I have my own strength and conditioning coach as well. Um, he just moved to Texas. His name's Danny Foley. The guy is amazing. He does remote programming for me. And I love it, but everything I've learned, I've learned from somebody else, you know? So how can you expect to expand your knowledge of any kind if you're not surrounding yourself with people smarter than you? So what would you say, because social media is so influential and we've talked about the negative side of that, but how would you suggest people go about finding quality accounts to follow on social media? What do you think they should look for? And cause I have my own, you know, side of that with, with the training aspect, but maybe just in general, what would you say? How do people filter the bullshit from yep. the actual good stuff on social media? Which is the million dollar question, because nowadays we have so many, we think reputable people talking about nutrition, talking about fitness, mm -hmm. And it's hard to differentiate who's telling the truth or who's talking shit and who's not right. And one of the things that I, I would just say to everybody out there is if, especially if you're following health professionals, fitness professionals, um, you know, doctors, all these things, like there's a lot of absolutism when it comes to social yep. media nowadays. Yep. And really there's not a lot of things about nutrition, your health, your mental health, your physical health that are absolute, that are black and white. Um, there are things that we know what research has shown us that have high correlations with certain things. But for the most part, the people who maybe I've surrounded myself with, and I might be biased in this sense, but the people who I've learned from and who've kind of educated me and the people who I've invested in and, and, you know, admire in the space, 
They're the ones that have done the research for 10 to 15 years. They're also the people who are not saying, you know, Hey, seed oils are the devil and they're going to kill you. That's why you should avoid them. And you should not eat these five inflammatory foods. Those are usually the accounts and the people who are trying to sell you something, who have some investment in whatever it is that they're talking about, who maybe they have their own practice. And again, it's a business, right? And you can't always put on people for doing that. But for me, I think the biggest thing that you can just keep in mind or for the people listening is, are these people talking in absolutes? What is their credentials, Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of and doctors, and you'll hear this argument from a lot of dietitians and people, but people go to med school, like they get one fucking class of nutrition, maybe, or one hour of nutrition Really, and they start to, yes. And they start to, they start to see how nutrition is involved in so many things. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they start to practice maybe, you know, stuff they've seen with their clients or stuff that they've personally experienced or maybe confirming their own bias when it comes to research or using rat models or animal models to outline how some of these effects you know, are supporting their claims when in reality, those things haven't been studied in humans. And this is kind of where we get to the weeds with a lot of this. But my biggest thing is just be skeptical to people who talk in black and white and who say, this is the end all be all. Cause a lot of times those are probably the people who are trying to sell you some shit at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that was what I was going to say too, is uh, okay. Yeah, it is a business. We, we all know that if they're selling you something on every single post, then that is probably a sign you should really reevaluate what they're doing because they clearly have an agenda. And that's something you don't need to even be in the fitness or nutritional space to understand. Like you can kind of get that vibe just from everyday life, people having everyday interactions with you. Do they have an agenda with that? I love what you said about absolutism. And I love what you said about demonizing things as well. So anytime you're making a post specifically bashing something, it's probably going to be because you're trying to promote something else. And chances are that something else is something that you're selling, you know? So I love looking at accounts that just drop in value and that's it. They don't like, they just, they want to provide value for people. So I can provide some um, notes, maybe in the, um, in the podcast notes or something about accounts that I love that, that are really research-based, but it's funny because on one hand, a lot of different perspectives can come to the same conclusion based on what the research says, but also there's so much research out there that you can, you can find three different studies refuting and supporting one topic, you know, so it is crazy. And I would say once you, once you have, you know, kind of a basic understanding and, you keep that, that curiosity that we talked about earlier, then start experimenting for yourself too, and see which ones you align with. I mean, I've gone through so many different training modalities. It's been crazy. I went through a phase where, um, I've done super low rep stuff and super high rep stuff and, and only that. And shocker, the truth is probably in the middle on most issues here, but that doesn't, that doesn't sell, you know, like moderation doesn't really sell, which is kind of tough. So um, another question that came up, I mean, this is, this is just turning into me interviewing you, <laughs> you know, it's like, Luke, I bet you're wondering why I've asked you here today, <laughs> but, um, but what would you like to see change generally, you know, in the nutritional industry and in the fitness industry, what would you like to see it move towards? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And yeah, you, you bring up another good point where it's like, there's a lot of extremes and there's a lot of benefits to doing different extremes, but surprise, it comes back to somewhat of that middle area. And we've talked about it, right? Like a lot of 
people, a lot of accounts, a lot of nutrition people, a lot of maybe fitness people in, in the health space or the fitness space, you know, they, they highlight a few of these things, which may fit into the big equation, but they aren't the whole equation. And I think that's, that's where we can get into the mud with this sometimes is when we start to value things where it's like, Oh damn, sugar is the enemy and that's it. And, and seed oils are the enemy and plants. Now you should not eat vegetables and you should only eat meat. We've had this conversation before. And it's like, when you start to think of all these things, you can eventually get to a plate where there's nothing on it because everybody has talked shit about one item on those plate, whether it's dairy, whether it's gluten, whether it's carbs, whether it's eating too much protein or not the right proteins or types of fats. And yeah, you said it best. It's like, there's so many accounts that, Hey, maybe you can find some snippets in the research to support some of these things. But that's the hard part about all this is like the average person does not know how to read research and they don't know how to account for confounding variables. And they don't know what they're looking for in some of these things. And sometimes you just read the summary and you read the conclusions and you draw from that and you don't actually look into what the actual research said and how that fits into big picture stuff. And what are the things that we're missing and what are the limitations and who funded the study? It's, there's a lot of things that can go into it. And I think for me, what I would like to see changed and maybe it's not because I, I'm not pessimistic about it, but I think it's hard for us to just, especially for somebody my level. And that's why I've taken the responsibility of trying to post content, things that I care about being somewhat of a level head in the nutrition space where it can be very polarized and this very tribalistic kind of society when it comes to diets and fads and different things like that. But for me, what I want to see change is from the consumer level of who we follow and who are the things that we're consuming on a day-to-day basis. And are we consuming more of the things that we believe, or are we consuming things that maybe oppose some of those thoughts and beliefs that we're practicing right now? Because that's how you continue to ask questions and find out different things that maybe you didn't know existed because you were so, you know, looking through life through a fucking straw at the end of the day. And I've found myself personally following accounts like, maybe liver King and Dr. Mark Hyman and some of these other people who are, I don't exactly align with 90% of the stuff they say. They may say some things that I like and that I agree with that I've had some experience with, but I find myself being exposed to all these different things. So I can further challenge those things and practice having conversations of like, Hey, if a client asked me these things, what would I say back to them based on this information yeah. that I was providing, oh, that's really good. Uh, but being able to just follow different accounts, explore different things. You said you can, we can throw some links in the show notes of accounts that we can follow. Always reach out to Eric and I, if you have a questions of like, Hey, who would you recommend following in the nutrition space or fitness mm-hmm. space or mindset space? And we can always point you in the right direction or mm-hmm. a direction that might challenge or be of benefit to you. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to is you can make your own decisions. Like you could, you could go carnivore and you could do some of these things and you could maybe live a healthy life because of that, or you could do this style of training and you could do this things that work for you. That's really what we're here for at the end of the day is to get you to a space where you feel comfortable and you enjoy doing what you're doing. And you feel, you feel like it can work for you long-term. That's really the ultimate goal. And there's different ways to do that with nutrition, with fitness, but just continue to challenge some of those things that you think now, especially for the general consumer is just challenging. I just following different accounts that you know, maybe oppose some of the things that you, uh, you were following, which could be a rabbit hole sometimes too. It's finding some of those, finding some of those people who are not talking in absolute terms and 
unfollowing maybe the social media influencers that make you feel like shit about your body, right? Mm -hmm. And promoting the different detox teas or they're going gluten-free because they have stomach aches and bloating. It's like unfollow yeah. the people who you know are not serving you and who are making you feel like shit yeah. and then follow yeah. more people who are more uplifting and, and um, things that are just a little bit more in alignment with what you care about. So I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's probably another red flag with any social media account is is what they're saying trying to make you feel bad about where you are so you feel like you need them or you need whatever it is that they're selling you try to get a sense this is one of those things you don't need to have a, a nutritional background or a fitness background to, to notice are they trying to make you feel like you're doing something wrong are they trying to make you feel like you're not good enough just right there and of course you can have goals like you should be you know striving to improve and all that but are they selling you from a place of empowering yourself and wanting you to be the best version of yourself that you can be, or are they trying to get you to need them in order to succeed? And boom, as soon as I see that, I'm like, Jesus, no, but no, I love what you said too, about, you know, following, like for you following guys like, like Mark Hyman and liver King or uh, carnivore MD or, or any of those guys, because are you going to agree with all of it? No, definitely not. But it's good to surround yourself with different viewpoints. And is there something that they say that can maybe help one of your clients? All right, cool. Yeah. Even if there's like a little, you know, one piece of advice that could help them, then it's kind of our responsibility to surround ourselves with as many different viewpoints as we can. So in the fitness industry, like Joel Seedman is super, super controversial because he preaches the 90 degree centric isometrics. And when you look at the needs of sport and, and whatnot, do joints sometimes go past 90 degrees? Yeah, definitely. But also, does he have some super creative and awesome exercises that I've really just enjoyed fucking around with? You know, absolutely as well. So you don't have to love whatever, like everything that they're saying, but as long as they're not taking away from you, taking away from your sense of self-worth, then yeah, fuck it. Like go find as many different doctors and, and fitness gurus that you can find, you know, and like, why not? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It's uh, it sucks, but a lot of people in the fitness space, health space, I say health space in quotations mm -hmm. because a lot of times people don't give a fuck about your health and yeah, yeah, or for you know how lucrative that space can be sometimes because it's a multi-billion billion dollar industry and mm -hmm. um yeah, just being able to see a lot of these accounts and these people's like they have to make money at the end of the day and they use Instagram mm -hmm. to do that because they have five hundred thousand followers, a million followers, but they do that by selling off people's insecurities or by selling people on an idea that they don't know this one thing that they've been missing out on that yeah. they have to buy from them yeah. that is going to get them to where they want to be. And that's just, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately as consumers now, we're just so, we're so quick to make decisions, uh, uneducated or uninformed decisions. We seek those constant dopamine hits and mm -hmm. That's what a lot of people thrive on when it comes to selling nutrition or fitness stuff or any content related stuff in the online space. So yeah, yeah it's just, again, coming back full circle. It's like follow, you know, the knees over toes guys, and then mm -hmm. follow the N one and then follow these things. And it's like, before you know it, you start to develop the things that you care about, which is really what I've done as a coach. I know you've done that as a coach as well. It's like, going to the extreme and, and really diving into a lot of these topics to come back and seeing what the, what is practical for my client? What's practical for my style of training? What do I like to do? What is realistic for a lot of the people that I work with and how can I 
better be a coach for them to help get them to where they want to be. Cause you might yeah. take a rep scheme or a biomechanics scheme from these people and these people you put it together. And that's the beautiful part about coaching is you get to do things yeah. your way. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of ways to do things. So I, I think we have to remember, it's like, there's not one way to do things, whether it's with their nutrition, whether it's our fitness, Yes, there's different paths. Yes. And you have to find your own path. And, and sometimes you just got to pave that shit from the ground up sometimes, right. Mm -hmm. and, and go off your own path that you've been following, take a risk. And that's how you get to the end goal that you want to be. Yeah. Th that's, that is probably my number one answer to that question. What I would like to see change. I want everybody to view everything as just a tool in the toolbox. So there's probably nothing out there that is going to fix all of your problems or is going to help you achieve all of your fitness goals, but you have to view everything as just a step along the way. And you can take a tool from this page. You can take a tool from that page. You can piece it together yourself. But the problem is that's a lot harder than viewing things as a one size fits all or a, like a master key that's going to help you get everything you want out of life and fitness and nutrition and, and whatever, but it does take some critical thinking, but that's what I want people to start doing is, is thinking critically and is viewing things for like through a, a more holistic approach. It's everything is just a tool in the toolbox. Everything can help you. Everything could hurt you. It all just depends God, it like, it's so not decisive, but that's my answer to so many different fitness questions is just, it depends and you have to know how it fits into your own life. Yeah. It depends. It depends. And that's <laughs> again, coming full circle. That's how, you know, you are talking to the right person when they mm -hmm. say, oh, it depends or what context yeah. are you asking this question in, or yes. what is the yes. end result that you're trying to work for? Because the answer could be different depending on a lot of different things instead of, yeah. Oh, what I'm working towards this. Oh, this is what you need when you don't even mm -hmm. take into account some of the other things that are going to dictate whether that's successful or not. So yeah, I love that, yeah. dude. Yeah. I'm, I want to be respectful of your time. I think we had a really good discussion and, and maybe yeah. in the future we can get you on for another podcast episode and talk about how you intentionally talk shit to your clients and what your approach is with that <laughs> and how we can uh, better use that as a fitness, uh, yes. as a whole yes. but, uh, plug. That is the number one fitness tool. It's the shit talking. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Forget yeah. everything I just said. Shit talking will help you achieve all your goals instantaneously. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people where they could find you. Uh, and I'll make sure to link all that in the uh, description notes as well. Yeah. So, um, check out performance edu's Instagram page. It's just at performance edu. Um, and then my own personal Instagram is at e underscore, sorry, E under underscore wood, just type in Eric Underwood. It, it should come right up, but yeah, I post a lot of nonsense and debauchery and, uh, shit talking like we mentioned before, but yeah, follow performance EDU. We always have different workshops going on and all the trainers within performance EDU are so awesome. So check them out and yeah, dude, thanks so much for having me on and we'll, we'll have a, uh, like a, a shit talking only podcast in the future. I'm scheduling already. Thank you, my guy. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.